This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Jason Red of Timber Ninjas. And, uh, Jason, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, and then we're going to talk. Yeah, Jason Red, uh, live in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, founder of Timber Ninja Outdoors. We're a mobile hunting products company, and um, you know our first introduction, which most people that are familiar with us are familiar with, is our carbon fiber C1 climbing stick. But um, yeah, just living here in Asheville. Grew up in Arkansas, been hunting since I was probably walking, at least getting carried. So always done it and just like doing stuff in the outdoors. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. It's uh, good to have you. And I got some, so being from Arkansas, were you, I mean, were you more of a duck hunter than a deer hunter or what? Uh, that, that's a good question. Yeah, I've done a lot, done a lot of duck, duck hunting. I, um, I was a guide for a good portion of my, actually my teenage years up until my early 20s. Uh, but deer hunted a lot, but come Thanksgiving, that was pretty much duck hunting uh, all the way yeah. until, you know, end of January. I've never met anybody from Arkansas that doesn't duck hunt. That's kind of like a, it's a rite of passage or something, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really awesome. I mean, I, I have a, I still go back once a year for about a week, but nowadays I'm, you know, I'm selective. I only go when it's good. So, you know, but, but having a kid, you, uh, I have 11 year old son and, he, uh, 
really into hunting and duck hunting is just such a great thing to share with kids because they don't have to be so quiet you know they can have fun talk and usually there's a lot of action so it's, it's it keeps everybody on their toes <laughs> that's about the one thing i don't like about the duck hunting is because it's so <laughs> you know i don't know or at least yeah. that's what i always thought is like oh man you know you could sit there you could watch a football game on your phone i know some dudes that <laughs> yeah. do that and it's like Man, yeah. you're not hunting. You're not hunting at that point. But no, it's cool. I I just recently started uh, started duck hunting, and I gotta say I love mm-hmm. it. I it's, uh, my buddy and I did it a couple times, and one time we did the whole big like production, put out a spread, boat blind and stuff. But then uh, mm-hmm. we put out a smaller, just real small spread, and didn't have much action that day. It was kind of too late in the season, but you know. I, I think I want to go more of that approach and try and do more of the, just like the minimalist setting up with a canoe and stuff. I think, I don't know. That yeah. just kind of intrigues me. That my, my preferred way of duck hunting is hunting flooded green timber, like taking a boat in and getting out of the boat and walk around in flooded green timber and catching mallards coming in, you know, to eat acorns and stuff like that. That's, that's when it really gets exciting, man. It's like you have hundred and 150 mallards dropping into pretty thick hardwood timber and wings are hitting limbs and just it, you know, it's just the classic Arkansas duck hunt that you see, you know, like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what's awesome. Like the field hunting I can do without the field hunting that, you know, I, yeah, I never it liked it. <laughs> never liked that. No, I went, point. I went on a big production, uh, uh, snow goose hunt and that was probably mm. you know everybody's like oh you gotta go you gotta go you know go out to western nebraska and hit mm-hmm. up a big snow goose hunt and we, we must have hit it the wrong time or something or they the guides didn't do anything with the fields and it, I, it was just a bad experience all around and it kind of yeah. like it was so boring at times and you're just laying there in a big wide open field in kansas and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah i could be hunting a deer right now i could be doing a lot of other things other than this yeah but, right yeah. it's a lot more nostalgia uh around looking in the woods than it is looking over a, a wheat field <laughs> yeah yeah but um so what other kind of hunting do you do i mean are you you like a westie you go out there and do some elk hunting and all that stuff or yeah yeah i hunt out west a fair amount um i do a lot of turkey hunting that's one of my favorite things to do uh tons of deer hunting you know specifically mountain public land whitetail hunting uh and then this year i'm I'm going to alaska for my first time coming up and actually i'm a short timer i'll leave on august the 5th so i'll be heading to alaska buddy of mine and i going in getting dropped off for uh 14 days chasing caribou that's awesome so So what are you going to go after like the northern herd or what what do you yeah we're getting dropped in the the brooks range and um We'll be there yeah, 14 days, and we've got caribou tags, and we're going to pick up a wolf tag each, too, to see if, you know, something happens there. But, uh, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be a true Alaskan hunter. That's what I want to grow up. What, what I wanna, what <laughs> when I, I when grow, I grow up. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's my goal, and I started to realize that I might need to try and attain that goal sooner than later because you never know when those opportunities are going to go away or something's going to change. So I think, uh, I think before sooner than later, that's my goal is I want to, I want to, I really want to try and do the hall road or something like that with, with my bow. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that'd be cool, man. I, um, I, I've looked at that hall road, you know, we're taking the hall road up we have to, we fly in a Fairbanks and then we drive up and we catch a, a float plane 
and then it takes us into the North Brooks. But I've watched some of those and read about some of those haul road trips. Those seem pretty cool too. Just like I've seen some guys like yeah. staying in their campers, like riding around, scoping it out. And yeah, know, <laughs> the only cool. thing uh, I was told is don't bring a rifle because it's two miles from the road minimum. You have to be away. Yeah. So definitely, if I mean, if you see them, you know, a hundred yards off the road, you could try and stock up on herd with your bow. Mm-hmm. But if you got a rifle, it's it's a no go. So you could be out there a lot yeah. longer and have to work even harder. And from what it sounds like, even though it's, you know, you're, you're road hunting, it's not, it's not a walk in the park, but it seems pretty yeah. cool. I like watching the videos yeah. on it and, you know, hopefully one day real quick here, I get out there. In the meantime, I apply for all the, the dream raffles. <laughs> yeah. 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 Me too. I donate. My big thing is I want to be a sheep hunter and my goal is to retire early at 50 to be a sheep guide so that's that's <laughs> like my big dream yeah if you're in alaska but, it'll be easy to do right <laughs> i mean yeah if you had, go if, buy an over the counter yeah, you have to move there yeah, yeah if you live there yeah you, it's pretty easy i think it's like 15 bucks or something their tags are real cheap for residents and, and no matter what species there is a resident to my understanding like the tags the same price that's so, pretty cool yeah it's yeah yeah it's not a bad place to live especially you know during these trying times if you need to you know, have a bug out spot. <laughs> no kidding. Right. So, um, I've noticed in some of your stuff, you're a trad hunter. Yeah. Yeah. I started, uh, shooting a trad bow a few years ago. Um, really just was kind of kept getting instigated by one of my friends to start shooting it because, um, he and I are kind of the same, same like level mentally of what, things we like to do we like things that are hard and challenging and he was he was like man you know the trad bow would be your thing and you know in my mind i had all these these plans for trips and i was like well i want to be more successful get some things you know killed that i probably you know won't have a chance to kill before then i'll start trad hunting but uh but you know i got thinking about it and essentially you know we, we only have so much time anyway so why not go chase it with the the weapon that you're planning to you know hunt with long term and and so i got into shooting them and uh, i just love shooting a trad bow it's so much fun i mean uh especially on long trips out west you know or anywhere in the back country you can stump shoot you know if you get bored you can't do that with a compound bow and <laughs> and you know it's it just you, you know obviously your range gets shortened so you you know, you have to improve your, your your hunting skills to be able to get that close sometimes, you know, depending on the species. And, uh, yeah, it's just fun. And the bows are just beautiful. And also, most of the bowyers have some story that, you know, always intrigues me, too. And a lot of bows I buy sometimes, you know, are more based on the bowyer than it is the actual bowie produced, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, it's fun, man. I've got a soft spot in my heart for a longbow because... I, I, I hunted with one for a while and then it just got to be where I honestly just didn't practice enough and had a bad, mm-hmm. bad circumstance. And then I kind of got away from it, but I still love it. I'll still break it out every once in a while and shoot it. And it's awesome. But so what's your kind of setup then? Um, you shooting wood shafts or carbon or what do you go to? Uh, I shoot preferably, I, I like a longbow more and, um, I shoot carbon shafts. Uh, this year I'm shooting, uh, day six arrows, uh, out of carbons, but with, um, wild fletchings, you know, I don't, have you heard of that company? No nope. gentleman that he takes, um, 
turkey feathers and grinds fletchings and uh, and he has a program where if you send him turkey feathers he'll send you you know a a, a trad you know trad feather for for every turkey feather you send him something like that um i purchased mine i didn't send him any turkey feathers but i'm going to next year but you know the turkey feather itself has more natural oil in it than like the um the other feathers that you buy from from archery shops those are more like domestic turkeys mm-hmm. and have less oil so the the wild turkey feather is a little bit more water resistant so uh, i'm using those on on my setup this year i'm actually taking that's what i'm taking to um alaska but i did start playing with wood shafts uh this year too uh just the i was intrigued by it i mean ultimately i, I would like to work up and you know essentially maybe take something with a stone point at some time some point but this year um i have a goal of just shooting it with the wood shaft i just want to shoot a doe with it you know and then i'll focus on everything else with my carbon you know set up but yeah the wood arrows are pretty impressive though they shoot very well and yeah they're really cool but there's a lot there's a lot of work to them unless you just um pay somebody to make them for you no i totally nerded out on all that stuff i mean yeah that that that's the fun part is you know coming up with how you're going to design everything on your shaft your 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 stain the scheme of your stain and yeah you know everything that goes along with it your your fletching pattern and all kinds of stuff i totally nerded out on that and then i had a buddy who went even further of course you know he's always we were always competing against each other what we could come up with or what we were going to do and then he started Mm. playing around with like tapered shafts and really got Uh into all that stuff and then um he started he actually found a guy he didn't nap the flint himself but he ordered and told the guy the specs he wanted for length and weight yeah and the guy actually napped them for him on ebay and sent him these awesome stone points and yeah he took uh i think he took like a little spike with it but pretty cool cool. experience yeah from the ground too so that was uh Pretty cool, pretty cool experience. Obviously, his arrow was broken, but I think he's he's got that and like the little spike skull, and you know, it's sitting on it on his wall somewhere. It's pretty Dude. cool. Yeah, I'm jealous, man. Like, I uh, I really like. To, we have a lot of black bear here. I do I do a fair amount of bear hunting too uh, with the bow, and I'd like to get a bear with a stone point. That's uh, a goal here in the next couple of years. We'll see how I shoot the stone points. I mean, I'm shooting the the wood shafts fine, no different. I mean, I actually. Uh, I mean, I have a few different bows, but I'll put, you know, have one of those in my quiver along with my carbon and stack them right next to each other. You know, it's really not much difference for me. Yeah, no, but, I think they're pretty cool. <laughs> I've yeah, never done cool, it, man. but yeah, that's something down the road. I think I'm, when I have more free time, I'm definitely going to start playing with it a lot more. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious, the whole company, the Timber Ninjas and all that kind of stuff. Um, Kind of what what's the backstory behind all that? Well, um, like I said, I've been mobile mobile hunting for most of all my life. Uh, I, you know, growing up, we just didn't have a lot of money, so we, we we essentially that was our only choice to hunt was public land. So we always had to travel and go hunt public land in Arkansas, where I specifically grew up in Arkansas. Uh, we didn't have a lot of woods; it's mainly all rice fields and you know, a few little woodlots here and there. So for majority of our deer hunting, we had to travel a little bit, a couple of hours. And so all, you know, I, I just, as I got older, I, I also just enjoyed hunting public land. I got to travel and, uh, um, you know, and going in some of these places, man, 
it's just, you know, country's hard sometimes, especially as I, you know, move to the mountains and, um, you know, I was looking for products that, you know, were lighter weight, which, you know, there really wasn't, um, anything on the market. Everything was kind of right there in that same, uh, weight range and, and beyond the weight, you know, the things that were, uh, most irritating, I guess, was a lot of stuff just didn't really pack very well. And, um, as I adapted my system over the years, you know, I went to a, <clears throat> a full on, you know, frame style pack and was packing everything into my frame, frame pack. And, and, um, you know, the weight wasn't the biggest factor, you know, it was, it's not a problem for me to, you know, carry decent weight for, you know, a few miles. It's not a big deal, but the packability was a problem. And, and also just stuff was always getting hung up in bushes and, you know, your stick options, you know, up until the last few years were all like, you know, three step, you know, 30, 30 inch plus sticks. And just wasn't, it wasn't anything out there that was, um, what I felt to be efficient for the way I like to hunt. And, um, so I started toying with the idea, uh, of making carbon fiber products because, uh, I have a background in bicycle racing and, and, and also other sports that, you know, use carbon fiber. And, you know, like I was talking to you before the podcast, uh, I'm in the industrial trade. So, I go to a lot of manufacturing plants. So I've been a lot of plants that do work with carbon fiber and it just, I never could really understand, you know, why it hadn't been done with deer stands yet. Um, you know, well, I guess a side note that, you know, there was a, a lone or not a lone wolf, um, a, uh, old man made it, made a, uh, carbon fiber climber back in the day. They did actually make that, but that was the only product that ever been made out of carbon fiber for the, you know, uh, tree stands or sticks. <clears throat> so yeah, I started playing with the stick design and, you know, had a lot of issues with it in the beginning, just <clears throat> trying to get it to work out. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> had a lot of issues with it in the beginning, trying to get it all to <clears throat> work together and was able to, um, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I have a frog in my throat. I was able to w- work out some of the engineering. I, I started working with uh, one of my uh, end user customers to uh, help us, you know, to determine you know, how to fix some of the issues we were having. Because it's just not as easy as like, you know, taking a carbon fiber tube that you can buy online and, you know, punching holes in it the way, you know, you see people doing with DIY aluminum sticks. It's just not that easy. And um, so we were able to get around all that. And, uh, you know, end up getting a product that I was able to hunt with for a while and, you know, I test them all year. And, and I really never had in, intentions of bringing the product to market. It wasn't really a necessarily an idea to start a new business. Um, and, but a lot of my buddies that all were seeing my sticks were like, man, these things are, you know, crazy light <laughs> and cool and you should do this. And uh, so after some thought, uh, you know, I decided, you know, maybe start another company and, and get it going. So we got serious about turning into an actual company in November last year. And I determined that if we were going to do this, uh, we were going to go all in and, you know, do all mobile hunting products. Cause I mean, there's outside of just, you know, tree stands and sticks, there's a lot of things that we use as mobile hunters that, you know, can be improved or, and, and innovated. Uh, there's still a lot of materials and designs that are used in other industries that 
that we don't use as hunters. Uh, so, um, so we, you know, we launched the sticks first, uh, took a little time to get everything right. Um, you know, first we worked out the integrity issues that, um, we were having, and then we just wanted to make sure the product was going to stand up as far as the carbon fiber for the year. And then we, we developed some steps, um, that were polymer based because, you know, we wanted the product, uh, to be as quiet as possible too. I mean, you know, we, we didn't want people to have to take a product they spend good money on and essentially modify it to be able to use in the woods. We wanted something that would be hunt ready. So, uh, we worked with some different engineers uh, to come up with the right polymer that would work for what we were trying to do. So, you know, we, we have polymer steps on that on that stick, and but and then a, a metal setback. You know, the metal has to kind of stay with the setback. You can't really, I don't. Plastic's not really a good thing to be biting in trees, in my opinion, especially for longevity. So, um, yeah, that's how the C1 stick came together. It, um, you know, it's a a functional 20 inch and we have a 24 inch option stacks very well uh it nests into the standoff nest into the step so it locks you know pretty good like you can't you have to use something like a you know attachment cord like a um, rope or cam buckle strap to wrap around to completely hold it in pla- place but you know like some of the other sticks from back in the day you know even though they would somewhat stack they'd always kind of crumble down like a jenga puzzle you know um, <laughs> well that's so that's kind of one of the problems i've got right now with uh um with my hawk helium sticks mm-hmm. a i i got so i had the xlps and i was like oh i'm gonna get the hawks i like the mm-hmm. way that, at least the concept i liked of how they stack together with the suction cups and all that kind of stuff and i was like these things suck they don't hold mm-hmm. together i thought i could just snap them together with that and that would be it you still have to lash them they come apart anyway and the metal sticks are loud and that's why yeah. I'm super curious about your product as far as the noise and like i mean have you done like actual decibel readings versus a metal stick versus that or anything you know, you know it's funny you bring that up i we haven't but i was actually thinking about that today because you know <laughs> I, I work i work around that type of equipment every day for my day job and I, I was just thinking about different videos and I, I would like to do a comparison of that. I mean, it, it does make some level of noise, but it's not as unnatural as like metal clanging, you know, more and more people these days are using carabiners in their hunting system and a carabiner either dangling from a saddle, or if you're like me that hunts out of a lock on stand and uses a climbing harness, you, know, you have, um, carabiners for either alignments or, you know, even your tether that, you, you know, you used to attach yourself to the tree, uh, even as, you know, personal security for, um, you know, hunting out of a lock on, you know, coming up a, a tree, you're, how many times have you had some metal dinger stick, you know, so all, all the time. It, and that's it, why it that's, I'm so curious. I'm so curious about that because I, and it seems almost every hunt there's something and then I'm silencing that. And the next piece that I never had hit before, that's what happens. So, I mean, I went from the buckles to the daisy chain webbing and I tried the mm-hmm. the rope method for a while and then I switched back to the daisy chain, but mm-hmm. I'm not super confident with like the daisy chain right now because the last time I was out, I stepped on it and I didn't have it tight enough. And that stand actually, mm-hmm. the, the stick actually kicked out from me and, uh, learned real quick how good a lineman's belt works 
Yeah. You know, that's a, I get asked that question a lot about, you know, if we're going to add a daisy chain option and that's my biggest issue is it's really hard to get the adjustment when you're dealing with loops to be perfectly correct for any tree. You know, there's going to be some sag. I personally use uh, a six millimeter cord and, you know, I've been rock climbing for a long time. So, I, you know, I can throw a girth hitch knot in there really quick, you know, almost as quick as I probably could find the right loop in the <laughs> daisy chain to get it around. And, but when I pull it up, you know, everything's solid and tight. Uh, but, you know, essentially with our sticks, <clears throat> how we designed our, our, our standoff, it really cuts into the tree very well. Like, I mean, when you can take it and put it on the tree and, you know, how you're supposed to set your stick you kind of just slide it down the tree to kind of lock in and then you really attach your your uh, attachment method i mean with ours you can you know lock it in lock it down and take your hand off of it to put the rope around or whatever you're using um but yeah i mean that slack in there can be a problem especially you know causing kick kick out from the bottom and um, and depending on what setback you know there's a few more people that also are making pretty aggressive um, setback, standoff, whatever you want to call them these days. So that's drastically improved, I would say, in the last few few years, you know. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I'm curious to see what your uh, – watch your videos when they come out with the with the noise. So what kind yeah. of – what kind of weight are we talking with the carbon fiber? I mean, I know it's probably substantially lighter, but what, what kind of uh, – So our 20-inch stick weighs 1.2 pounds. And um, we also offer a retractable aider. It's a wire rope aider that you're able to slide back up into the carbon fiber tube when it's not in use. Uh, it does leave a little loop out, but even with that aider on the 20 inch, you know, we're still only a little over 1.4 pounds. So essentially you're getting 34 inches of climbing out of a 1.4 pound stick. Um, so, and then we also offer the same for our 24, uh, which that one is, uh, an 18 inch aider cause it's, you know, it's a four inch longer stick and, uh, it weighs right at like 1.5 pounds because with the carbon fiber, the weight's not in the tube, whereas it is with aluminum. And that's, in my opinion, that's why you see a lot of people having different sizes of, um, lengths of their aluminum sticks as they were trying to get down with the weight more so than anything, um, whereas ours, you know, we can go 20 to 24 and it's, you know, just an ounce or so, you know, it's, there's not much to it at all. Yeah. I, sometimes I don't really understand the whole saddle hunting where these guys are trying to get down to where they're, you know, less than two pounds or three pounds for what they're doing <laughs> or like the ones to me, it just doesn't make sense because if you're going out or maybe it's because a lot of these guys have never gone out West or done anything, but you're carrying your entire camp on your back. And then if you kill something, mm-hmm. you might carry both cause you don't want to come back. So, yeah. I mean, to me, it was never really the weight, but like you said, it's the same thing. It's the bulkiness. It's the, the banging and clanging going along or something comes loose. I've had that before where something comes loose on like your climber stand or something, and then it's banging and clanging mm. until you stop and take it off. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what drove me towards the saddle hunting is cause you know, it's just a harness it's on. I put tape on the buckles, you know, it's quiet, but, um, I, I still like to put a hang on stand up every once in a while too, but yeah, but the sticks, I think, in the noise was my biggest thing. And that's what I was super curious to talk to you about, about that, 
because that it seems interesting and like you said the whole natural sound to it there's no metal tink out in the, <laughs> out in the wild so it no. really draws attention well and, and the more that you can compact your system or make your system more efficient to move through the woods the quieter you can be going in and uh you know the more effective you are as a hunter you know with disturbing these animals especially if you're you know someone that targets mature animal animals or and, and especially if you're you know trying to hunt them in their bedroom you definitely have to be as quiet as as you can be and as, you know as ninja like as we call it hunt like a ninja you know uh as you can be uh but then there's also you know some giveaway with ultralight stuff you know not from a stick perspective but when you start cutting out comfort in your system uh you know it people running like for instance with saddles if they're running a minimalist saddle you know there's some of those things aren't as com- can't be as comfortable as some of the ones that are you know a little bit more <laughs> padding or you know a little bit thicker webbing here and there um but you know it is cool because it gives people so many options these days i mean there's just tons out there for the mobile hunting community and you know and really none of it's new i mean people have been doing a lot of this stuff for a long time uh it's just it never was public um I mean, nobody was doing carbon fiber or anything like that, but like the whole general concept of some of these, you know, like the saddles, people have been saddle hunting for, you know, forever. And it's just never really been public information until, you know, the great thing about social media, you know, people get to spread this information or YouTube. But uh, yeah, I mean, every year something new is coming out. It's pretty cool. Um, but I'm still a, personally, a, a, I like to hunt out of a lock on stand. I, I, I mean, I've, hung in climbing harnesses for a long time and i'm sorry i i can't see myself hanging in a tree saddle for you know a daylight to dark sit for five days but see i bought i bought my saddle because i thought it would improve my back i'd always screw up my back after Mm -hmm. sitting for long sits and you know being directly up against a tree in a lighter weight tree stand and i was like well maybe i'll give the saddle a try and it gives you the option to move a lot more but Mm -hmm. um other than that so um, the next thing I kind of wanted to ask you though, is how high do you like to hunt? Are you a guy that gets up 25 feet or are you kind of no. those 18 feet, 15 feet and you're good? I, m- most of the time I'm less than that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, here in the mountains in a lot of the other mountain regions that I, I hunt, you know, you're never going to get high enough because if you're hunting, you know, let's say if you're hunting the top third of a ridge there's always going to be an opportunity for the deer to be above you no matter how high you get you know because especially depending on how steep the terrain is don't get me wrong i mean a lot of people get hill country and mountain hunting confused like there's a complete difference of hunting the hills what some people call mountains don't get me wrong but until you get into the real mountains like on the east coast uh it's it's a drastic change so i tend to hunt pretty low uh i'm more of a find the right cover in the right tree it, rather than looking at how high it is and i mean sometimes i may only use one stick if it if it's if it's the right setup and shooting the traditional bow that it's a lot better with angles you know lower you are too in my opinion but yeah i, I don't have any problems getting busted shoot you know hunting low uh have a video i don't really do much self-filming or anything but i have a video on my phone i had a buck walk up under my stand i could have reached down and grabbed him by his horns so <laughs> you know it's just it's all in your setup you know 
Yeah. It's a lot of times though, like I, I hunt, I like uh big wide open river bottoms and stuff like that mm-hmm. to where I don't know if I could get away with being down low without being actually on the ground. So I like to get up there to where I get a nice vantage point, you know, and uh, some guys give me crap for it. But so that's my whole thing is like, if I'm hunting with sticks, I'm probably going to be like a four stick kind of guy. And then maybe even put, you know, an eight around one of them or something to get up higher. Yeah. Um, but do you think you could eliminate that with the, with the eighters on three of them or how would that work? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you had essentially three eighters on three twenty inch sticks, that's 30, what is that? No, it's 40, 42, 42 inches from three eighters. Is that math right? 14 times three. Yeah. Yeah. It's 42. So, I mean, yeah, you could essentially take out two sticks with three, with three sticks with three eighters. That might be a plan. So, um, kind of curious, are you planning on anything else for the timber ninjas or anything in the future that you can talk about anyway? Yeah, it's pretty known. Like, I mean, there's pictures of our hybrid prototype lock on stand that we're working on uh which you know that stand it it has a metal had a metal platform with carbon fiber tube and a polymer seat and we were able to get that one down to around seven pounds and it's you know and it's a essentially a traditional size stand i mean a little bit smaller than traditional it's 18 inches wide by 24 inch long platform with a 20 inch seat tube height uh any lower than 20 inch seat height and you know, I'm six foot two, I'm, you know, my knees are going to be getting up, up into my face if I go any lower than that. So, uh, we were working on the hybrid, but I was able to make some relationships with a partner that we're going to be able to produce that in full carbon fiber. So that's actually in the, on the, on the plate right now, we're getting it finished up and, uh, going to have it tested and hopefully be able to have it for sale by October the 1st shooting for so, September the 1st, but just how things have worked this year with COVID and everything, I'm going to go ahead and g- give a month buffer there. <laughs> it's probably a pretty good idea, but so you're saying the entire stand will be made out of carbon fiber. Minus everything standoffs. Ex- yeah. Minus the, the metal that bites into the tree will, you know, the goals have everything carbon fiber. Um, well, and also the, you know, the cables, going from your platform to your seat posts you know they won't be carbon fiber but yeah the majority of the product will be carbon fiber would they be cables or like amp steel or something still working on that got a couple <laughs> of different ideas we're working on in that in that world actually um it's going to be you know the design is going to be really cool and compact it's going to be ideal for the um for a backpack type hunter or a mobile hunter there's a few other features and benefits that we're building into it that, yeah i'm not really ready to share quite yet uh, gotcha. but i think it'd be be pretty sweet for people and um yeah and we're also uh really close on finishing up our production prototype of our camera arm we're coming out with a camera arm too seems like everybody's wanting to film these days but you know oh uh, man i got suckered into it for this year by Jordan and Tyler who are two of my buddies are involved with the company and both of them do some filming. Jordan does a lot of filming, been filming since he was in high school. So 
I think, you know, what, 15, 15, 20 years or so. He never puts anything on YouTube. He just does it for himself, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, they've uh, talked me into <clears throat> doing some filming this year, which is not my thing. I just like going in as simple as possible and taking as much out of my much out that would cause any problems for me. But I was able to get like a really cool, compact, small camera, which, you know, we can use for vlogging and reviews and stuff like that, too. So uh, it'll work out pretty good. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever use any of my footage because I'm sure it's not going to be what people are looking for. <laughs> I'm sure mine's not either. I don't even, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, I don't even remember to take pictures sometimes because I get yeah. so wrapped up in the moment, you know, and I just I want to focus on that. And and then afterwards I stop and I'm like, man, I probably should have taken a picture of that. I mean, like I was just out in Montana a couple weeks ago. We're on the mountain, glass and elk, doing uh, all kinds of stuff. I think maybe I've got like six pictures total. It's just man, <laughs> I I we're in the we're, we're on the same team there. I've man, I've been in, been fortunate enough to go on some really great trips in my life, climbing trips, surfing, hunting, and just like you, I'll come back with like two pictures from two weeks. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, and I I started hunting this year during turkey season with a gentleman that does a lot of um a filming for hunting uh heath jolly with um budget buck outdoors and the thing that's interesting is like you know i he was filming our turkey hunt and uh, you know we're going through there and all i'm thinking about is killing turkeys and every once in a while i look back and he's talking to the camera you know because like you have to tell the story as you're doing it and like that's where i'm gonna really suck is that I'm not going to think about telling the story, you know, like, and I, you know, like I'm horrible at it, man. Like I go out and set out cameras here recently. And technically if you want to provide some good content, I should be out there filming that. But it's like, it doesn't even cross my mind when I leave the house to grab my camera to, you know, take this extra information. Um, I mean, same way with trying to run an Instagram page. I mean, you know how that is, you know, for your company or your podcast or business, it's like, I run out of material all the time just because I just don't take a lot of pictures. And now I'm having to hustle people that have been testing our sticks to send me pictures that way I can, <laughs> you know, get some more content. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing that I get from everybody. They're like, man, you gotta, you gotta post more. You gotta do stuff. So lately I've been trying to be more engaged, but yeah, I mean, there's times where it's basically episode to episode and that's it. It's just me and social media and all that kind of stuff. I'm surprised I even figured out how to work and do this whole podcast thing. Cause it's just, I just want to be out there and hunt and I want to talk to people about it. I want to learn about things. That's why I got the podcast and luckily I learned how to do that. And, and, uh, you know, but, um, so you got the stand coming out. I'm curious, you said it was like seven pounds or is it going to be lighter than that? Uh, no, it's definitely gonna be lighter than that. Okay. Uh, the goal, the goal is sub five. That's a light stand. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to share like, you know, if you know anything about engineering, you put, you put your, you can put your product into a program called SolidWorks and you can put your components and, and the materials you're using and everything. And it, it'll give you an exact, you know, almost exact weight of what the product's going to weigh. And also, you know, you can also even put in other parameters to, you know, how the material is going to perform. So you can essentially like you're doing a 300 pound weight rating. You can plug that in there, you know, or a two times safety factor, which is 600. You can kind of put that in there to build out, you know, the material that you need. This is specific for carbon fiber, but yeah. Um, the weight right now is, is stupid light. Uh, 
like, <laughs> and, and it will increase some. I I, I know that's going to happen, but it's just really impressive of where it's at right now. But it's a, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think I understand why more people didn't go down the carbon fiber route because, you know, the prototyping for some of this stuff is it's not cheap. You know, um, it's really expensive to to get in the business of making carbon fiber products, especially if you mess something up. Like it's not fun <laughs> messing up a stick, you know. Well, I mean, manufacturing costs is probably quite a bit higher too. Um, yeah. But, so on on let's talk about the platform itself if we can a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, do you guys? Because with with metal, when you're machining it or doing whatever you're doing, casting it, you can mm-hmm. cast different ridges or knurling or something in there, so it's not slippery. I would imagine the carbon fiber would be kind of slippery with just a regular platform. Mm. No, I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, like, get, most of what you see in carbon fiber is always that slick, shiny finish. You know, like our sticks, or our, our, this generation of our sticks is, um, is you know, like what you would most commonly see with carbon fiber. But, you know, essentially it's just composite materials. You, you can add different types of layers of material in there that go in with the carbon fiber and to kind of get you can cast it the same you know not necessarily the same way but you can cast it to to do things that you want to do as far as grip or holes or patterns i mean you can do all kind of stuff with it and then also you know you can finish it with um you know like a gel coat you know like if you ever you know like boats for instance fiberglass boats how they always have like a non-skid type gel coat in certain areas you can do that with carbon fiber too so there's ways of making making it all work to where it won't need any modification after you know it's delivered really that's interesting i'm kind of curious to see this thing now um so what typically do you have like a price point set in mind or or that's kind of not in the wheelhouse yet yeah we have a target cost uh in which you know talking with the engineers and the partner we're working with i think it's pretty feasible be in the mid 500s is would be a goal i mean it's essentially if you look at like the lone wolf's custom gear you know aluminum uh water jet cut stuff i mean they're i think they're 500 bucks now too so you know be able to save weight and uh beyond that lighter um quieter to a degree um and also the one thing it's a, a big takeaway with carbon fiber versus aluminum is it doesn't hold cold or heat the way aluminum does so essentially you can put a carbon fiber stick and you know freezing temperatures and touch it and you're not going to notice the difference it doesn't feel like you're picking up an iceberg the way you know if you've ever grabbed a aluminum stick when you're climbing with cold hands that you know it's kind of tough to deal with so there's a lot of um there's a lot of benefit to that as well so when you said that it just made me think of something when I shot trad bow, I shot with my fingers. Um, mm-hmm. Do you shoot? You shoot with your fingers, like uh, gloved, or how? How are you doing it? I shoot tab three under. Okay, so if you're shooting the tab, you take that tab off, and you got a bare hand, and then you're climbing, right? So then you're grabbing a yeah. cold, cold stick. Okay, because that's yeah. in my mind when you said that, it automatically hit me, and I was like, man. I know that exact feeling of having my yeah. bare hand from shooting a trad bow and keeping it warm in my pocket and, yeah. then, and then grabbing that cold stick and just the sting 
Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's a yeah, nice feature. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it just calls your hands to definitely just not work, you know, like especially <laughs> if it gets cold. Yeah, it's yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, I mean, it's extremely strong too. I mean, that's the biggest concern people have. You pick up something that you know weighs as much as it does you know you automatically think it's fragile uh but you know it's extremely durable i mean we 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 third party test all of our products that you know we call our at height products they've been third party tested so you know we we had a 300 pound safety rating on our sticks which you know do a proper 300 pound safety rating you have to do a two times safety factor at 600 pounds and you know we did three different tests of 600 pounds on the same step, which is not even required, held up fine. And we actually took that same stick and ran it through what they call the re- repetitive motion test, which essentially it it um, is an example of a person walking up and down the sticks X amount of times per year for so many years. So for a, if you're using a, a two-step stick, the cycle rate count is um, for the standard is a thousand um, cycles and our product actually went to 4,000 cycles and it, um, it, and it didn't fail. He just got tired of being there because that, that cycle count (laughs) takes pretty much all day to run. Um, Another cool thing about our stick during this testing was in, in the gentleman at the lab, the lab I had it tested at tests the majority of all the hunting products in the industry. They're probably one of the, um, more prominent labs in the country and, and actually happened, you know, they're in Georgia. So it's not far from here in Asheville, you know, I get there in three hours. So I was able to drive down and watch it and talk to the people. And the interesting thing that he saw about our sticks was, especially with the polymer step is, you know, at 600 pounds, it was getting a load and starting to bend. But as soon as the pressure came off of it, it went back to its natural state. Every time it just kept recovering. Whereas, you know, aluminum is going to bend and stay that way. Um, so kind of a cool feature, you know, kind of like some Batman type stuff, I guess. That's pretty neat. No, that's cool. So um, earlier you and I were talking, I think we we're messaging on Instagram or something about foraging. And I got to ask mm. you about that. So what do you guys forage for? Up here, uh, a lot of mushrooms, you know, um, the climate here and, and uh North Carolina, West North Carolina. I mean, it's kind of like temperament rainforest in some areas. So we get a lot of, lot of mushrooms and, um, well, I take it back. Our morels have been off here the last few years. We haven't had great morel seasons, but you know, any of your chanterelles, your lion's mane, chicken of the woods, oyster, uh, bullets, you know, chanterelles, you know, we, we have tons of all that. You can stay busy with that. And then, you know, a lot of other, like, greenery stuff, if you want to, like, really get nerdy about it, you know, like watercress and things like that that kind of grow naturally. Um, and then, obviously, a bunch of berries. Yeah. So, yeah, you live – North Carolina is actually one of the most ecologically diverse states for flora and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of foragers out by you. Oh, yeah. There's – a very well known one uh guy by the name of alan muscat is um very prominent in the mycology world you know uh and he does a lot of um i mean he makes a living doing mushroom forging you know workshops and stuff 
Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of them. I've actually got a friend that I met through, through the podcast, interviewed her and, uh, she's out there and she teaches classes all the time. She's got a place called the Wander School. So it's pretty huh. neat. Yeah. And she's right in Nashville, I believe. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I, I kind of stick to the ones that I know really well, you know, like pretty much the ones I talked about. There's many more, but I always feel like an, either for fun when I'm out hunting or fishing or whatever, I, you know, I, I know you forward, so you can pretty much smell them before you see them. Most of them <laughs> yeah. you know, the good ones, especially, <laughs> especially like chicken. I can smell chicken a mile away. Hand of the woods um, too. Yeah. Yeah. Hand of the them woods big oaks. Are, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. In fact, last time my buddy and I were, were out hunting together, I had to make two trips back to my truck. And then he, I finally, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll just go. Cause he knew he wasn't going to get me out of there until I picked a bunch of them. And we ended up, I don't know, probably 20 pounds of mushrooms in about 20 minutes. So what was, kind was it? What was woods. it? Big hen oh, woods. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I like the lion's mane too. It, do y'all have, you get oyster there? I'm assuming you do, right? We do. Yep. Isn't it, do you ever have those times in like December that it's kind of a warm day and you'll find some oyster? I've actually only found them a couple of times. I haven't really gotten into them real good yet, but um, yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about anyway, to where, yeah, they'll, they'll be melting. This ice will be melting around them and they'll still be there. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I've had that happen. That's, that's a really cool little winter treat because it's not something common, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, before we get going here, I appreciate you coming on, but, um, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your products, please. Well, our website's, uh, timberninjaoutdoors.com and, uh, we're on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Timber Ninja Outdoors as well. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, we have a lot, a lot more products coming out and, um, have some new swag about to drop we got some hats dropping tomorrow and actually got a new shirt they just finally came in it's our mountain spirit shirt it'll be dropping probably next week sometime we gotta get some pictures of these and get them up on the website but yeah we're just gonna try to keep innovating and making cool fun mobile hunting products and here in the u.s you know all of our products are made in the u.s and also giving back to conservation that's uh we're really keen on conservation and giving back so We'll be doing some joint projects uh, this year and years to come with people to kind of help, you know, spread the love. That's awesome. I thank you so much, man. Thanks for coming on, and I appreciate talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. All right, man. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment 
go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.